Hi, this is Jamin Fraser, and you're listening to The Insecurity Project, solving the insecurity problem at a global level. This podcast is a mixture of interviews, coaching sessions, and personal development content. You'll hear me chat with experts, authors, speakers, and individuals who've gone on to do great things in their life as a result of working through their insecurity. You'll hear brave souls being willing to have a live coaching demonstration recorded where they work through their insecurity. And you'll hear 10 Minute Tuesday, which is a chance for me to deliver high-quality personal development content to help you on your journey. I hope you find it useful. Now on to today's show. Hey, it's Jamin. You're on the Insecurity Project, and tonight I have the privilege of having a coaching conversation with Bailey Judd. Now, if you don't know Bailey, he's an outstanding young man who plays some sweet, sweet music, and it often really affects me. I love listening to his music. It's wonderful stuff. And one day, I say this to Bailey all the time, one day he and I are going to share a stage together and do something beautiful, um, but I'm not quite sure how that's going to play out. In the meantime, I have the opportunity tonight of having a coaching conversation with him and helping him work through some kind of limitation or somewhere where he's stuck. So, Bailey, thanks for being willing to be on the podcast and to give your gift of vulnerability to whoever is listening to this. And I'm sure everyone will benefit from you being willing to have a real and honest conversation about what's going on for you. So, with that in mind, uh, what is going on for you that you'd like to see change in tonight? Uh, firstly, thanks, Javen. Um What I'd like to see change in, I think one of the biggest things in my world at the moment is an underlying self-sabotage that seems to be going on and a little bit going on unnoticed. So I have to say I've been doing some stuff really well in my world, like conquering some difficult tasks, like trying to book some gigs that I thought I wasn't really ready for, and like just putting myself out in a way that I was scared to do before. So I feel like I've conquered some things, yet I feel like I'm backtracking on some progress that I've made in just simple little behaviours and other little things that I might not be conscious of at the time, but then they affect my sort of, um, I don't know, when I'm trying to move forward in what I'm doing, I feel it gets in the way. Yeah. yeah, sure. So you mentioned that often the self-sabotage goes unnoticed, which is always the best form of self-sabotage. If you're running a sabotage strategy, you want to do it in stealth. So that's mm. kudos to your subconscious there. Uh, but obviously you have noticed it to be wanting to have this conversation. So yeah. tell me what you've noticed. What, do you, what have you become aware of? Mm. Well, for instance, if um, I'm on my Facebook page trying to get some more fans from my friend list, like inviting people to like my page, I find that I'll invite some people that I feel that, oh, it doesn't matter, I can invite them because they're my friends, but then um, sort of status of other people, it gets in the way of me putting myself out there in a way that might be vulnerable or exposes my music for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it also comes down to the sorts of like music venues that I feel I can email confidently. Okay. Yeah. So those sorts of issues of like, they're subtle, but I feel like it's really blocking sort of my, I don't know, overall well-being in that area. 
Yeah, for sure. So there's some kind of internal resistance to your overall plan for life. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, so what is the plan? Give us, give me a sense of what the big picture is for you. Big picture. Um, yeah, like what's the dream? Picture, Where, what? Yeah, no, um, I understood. I'm just trying to collect all of the um, info on that. So basically, I want to be gigging on a regular basis, um, gigging in Melbourne venues that I really like respect, and I know a lot of bands that you know have done great things have gone through these sorts of venues. I'd like to be yeah, yeah, yeah gigging at least like say three times, four times a week. I mean, depending on how much I can handle, but like I want gigs to be abundant and have a lot of fans that respect my music and I guess sort of the stereotypical, you know, aspirations of any artist. You want someone to appreciate that and get your art out there. Yeah, cool. So how would you know you... Sorry, how do I cut you off? Is there anything more that you were going to say? About oh, that? no, go for it. Go for it. Um, yeah, so how did you know that you'd succeeded at that? Um, mm, I've made some, like, shorter-term goals, but as far as the bigger picture, I don't have a definitive answer of when I've reached my goal, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, I guess... It's sort of like a a threshold that keeps on getting pushed up by my expectations. Like yeah, sure. once I've reached a milestone, then it just keeps growing. But then if I take a big step back, I feel as though it's a bit overwhelming to really like see the path to, you know, my dream of being, well, I guess um, an international artist would be something that I would really love, like a touring Artists, yeah. So yeah cool. I'm kind of staring that in the face at the moment. Oh, go on. Well, well there's an interesting... Uh, there's another interesting piece of self-sabotage for you that may have been subtle until now and unnoticed until now. Did you see what that was? No, I didn't. What did you notice? Well, well, you if you can't measure it, you can't have it. Yeah, right. So... When you said abstract goals, goals that have no clear measurement, it feels like you're 100% committed to moving forward in your own success, but in fact you're not. It's, it's, uh, it's only when you are very, very specific around that. Because obviously you can imagine the more specific you are about your goals, the, the more clearly your failures become. Because if you go, like, I want to be successful in the music industry, I mean, you could constantly be changing the goalpost depending on how well you're going or how not well you're going to convince yourself you have achieved some measure of success yeah whereas if you say listen I want to be an international artist which means by the way international that means every year I must travel to at least five countries five the number which means I must earn at least you know $250,000 that's a number which means I must have you know, this many fans on my Facebook page, which means I must be selling, you know, this many albums, you know. So you, you're clearly kind of having very definitive numbers, measurements uh, that define what success is in that for you because then it's clear whether you've succeeded or not succeeded. There's, there can be no, there's no ambiguity about that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. 
Um, yeah, and it's, I, a, a, it's a high commitment strategy. Mm. I've found that I, when I get really clear about my goals, that's when a lot of fear sets in. Even though I might get really excited as well, like oh, sort yeah, of the yeah, yeah. yeah the long term thing, yeah, it gets a bit it gnaws at me. <laughs> yeah, for sure, it's it's a common pattern, and this is the beautiful thing about life. Uh, you know, it feels like this is a complicated and unique challenge, but every person who's, who's ever done something wonderful with their life has faced the same kind of fear around, my goodness, what if I can't? What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't have what it takes? What if I put this out there and start telling people this is what I want and then I don't achieve it? I'm going to look silly. I'm going to be foolish. People will judge me. And, but by the same token, no one has ever achieved those standards without being clear about them. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, you can't achieve it. There's no other way. Uh, so mm. it's this high-risk, high-stakes strategy. You're either in or you're not in. Yeah. And um, uh, in my position at the moment, I feel as though I've got a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of, like, gimmicky paths that I could go down. Like, I could say, no, I don't want this international dream. I could... Um, I could potentially go into a scene that my heart's not in, but, you know, there might be more money in it, according to whoever's saying, oh, yeah, you should go there. The music jobs are there. I don't know, like, yeah. I feel as though my fear lets those voices in when, yeah. obviously, I don't want that in the long term. No. Yeah. Not for sure. Um, mm. I've had a couple of I've had a couple of wines tonight, uh, and I had then I had an affogato with a little bit of brandy in it because <laughs> I couldn't find any frangelico just to seal the deal. It was it was wonderful. I I just love um, cooking dinner uh, mm. while drinking wine and just eating while I'm drinking, and I just have such a wonderful time. I'm off my own world. Mm. Um, the point I'm the point of me telling this story is uh, I, there's a few things that are on my mind at the moment around this for you. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna swing away and, and see where we go. See see what's useful. You, yeah. you see, it's your life, right? You're you're the expert here, but I'll swing away and see what resonates for you and what comes up. Um, so so a few things. I don't know whether you listened to the interview I did with Cameron Brown a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't think I caught that one. Uh, it was it's my new favourite interview. And he's a guy that I did my coach training journey with um, eight years ago. We started together, and he was a young guy. Just so, so like I, what, I, what I was so impressed with him at that stage was he just said yes to everything. He was just all in, and mm. uh, a lot of us were concerned about him because he was so all in. And we're like, my goodness, you're going to get burnt. He'll be a bit more cautious. But he just knew what he wanted, and he was all in. And just watched his journey up the last over the last eight years, and there's been some ups and downs, but he has found a way to get what he wants. And he was reflecting on even the last 12 months of his journey around why it is that he's he's gone to a whole new level in the next 12 months. What is it that's accelerated his growth? And he said it was kind of like when he when he was reflecting on that, he felt like um, he had resolved in his mind uh, the fact that he was enough. So. It was just this this kind of, I'm, I'm okay. I belong here. I don't need to prove that I belong here. I don't need to convince anyone else. I don't need anyone else's validation or approval. I belong here. 
and this is where I'm going to be. And so he said the effect that had on his energy and his output was like, he, he gave the, the metaphor of, you know, if you're running a, a race around an athletic track and if you were watching an athlete, you know, run 300 metres one direction and all of a sudden stop and run 200 metres the next, you know, back the opposite way and then turn around and run 100 yeah. metres that way and <laughs> constantly changing directions, obviously mm-hmm. they're not going to compete very well on a world stage. If you're going to win, no. you're going to have to be heading the same direction the whole time. And, and he yeah. was saying that was kind of what it's like. I'm enough this week, but oh, hang on, maybe I'm not enough. And then you're kind of back the next direction. And then, oh, yeah, I'm enough again. I'm good. So all your energy mm-hmm. is going into this whole battle, am I enough? Yeah. Um, but he felt like, no, I've got that sorted. So I'm actually free to not even be investing energy and any energy into answering that question. I'm just free to go do my thing, to serve, to show up confident and comfortable. And mm-hmm. and obviously the journey to get to that space was there's a lot of things that he didn't talk about, but yeah. the freedom and fruit of, of that was just wonderful. And I, it, was, it was very... Um, inspirational and I think you know obviously that is the universal challenge for each of us that's your story right now it's, it's like you're confident yeah. in one moment and you put yourself out there and then this doubt and fear oh hang on what if I am not quite as good as I think I am or what if someone else doesn't think I'm that good or am I enough am I not enough am I enough am I not enough um, so it is this it is this work to be done around the Am I enough piece that ultimately is underneath this sabotage? Mm. Um, so what, what's reason, you, Sorry. Yeah, oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, um, yeah, I had a great um, holiday period between last year coming on to this year where I wasn't around any of my uni mates and I didn't have any external comparisons that I was holding myself up against. And yeah. I felt as though I embodied that notion that I'm enough in that sort of time period when I had a bit of time to reflect, but yet it hasn't carried through now that I'm back, you know, with the, the tribe. Yeah, sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, do you know, um, have you heard of the book The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? Yeah, yeah, your brother has uh, mentioned it a number of times. Oh, I haven't read it yet. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, um, one of the key ideas in that um, was about rather than being um, an amateur, turn professional with your art. Like, treat yourself as a pro, suit up for the game, and then put yourself in, I guess, the the arena to take the hits of what covers at you. Anyway, I felt like I was embodying that and now, like, trying to maintain the motivation to do the work doesn't I don't really find that I'm keeping that up because like you were saying one minute I'm running in one direction and then I'm yeah. running in the other so trying to yeah, keep sure. a yeah a constant um, work ethic up in one area becomes challenging yeah yeah sure I mean I was mm. I was doing some training with a bunch of coaches the other day and one coach was talking about that they were doing coaching as a hobby, so they were still maintaining their mm-hmm. full-time work, but coaching on the side. And I just said, wow, I, I think that would be, I imagine that would be very hard to do, to convince someone that you could be useful to them when you're doing coaching as a hobby. Because um, yeah. coaching, by definition, by definition, is about how can I serve you to really be all that you want to be and to go forward and achieve the goals that you, you dream of, to live the life mm-hmm. that you desire. Um 
So you have to kind of model that yourself. And I said, you know, and they said, well, it's hard to get coaching to work because you kind of need the, the finances and it's hard to get clients and it's hard to put yourself out there and there's a whole bunch of other people doing it. And so I, I, I agree and I've had that experience. But there's, it's kind of like Yoda. It's it's do or don't do. There is no try. You can't try and be a coach. If you try and be a coach, you're so unconvincing and, and so yeah. lame. You're either you're in or you're not in. Mm. And I'm sure, I mean, the cool thing about the music industry, which is similar to coaching, uh, you know, it's similar to public speaking. I'm, I'm looking at doing, you know, as much public speaking as I can. And I, I love the experience sitting in an audience, hearing someone speak, and they're terrible. And I just get so much benefit out of that experience because I'm hearing them go, I'm going, this guy's hopeless. Like, my, my content's way better than his. I'm more charismatic. I'm even better looking than this guy. Wow, this guy's, this guy's rubbish. And then it's like, yeah, yeah, that's wonderful, Jamin. Uh, but he's up there doing his thing. Everyone's paid to be You've paid to be here. So you can mm-hmm. say what you like about how rubbish he is, but he's found a way to do what you've dreamed of. So yeah, what do you say about that? You know, and I'm sure yeah, you would experience that in the music yeah. industry people with far less skill, less charisma, less style, less talent, but have made it further. Mm-hmm. And I see the opposite end. I feel like um, I'm in the middle of that, you know, that scenario where I see people that are better than me that haven't, you know, achieved what I've achieved with the sort of social media aspect of things. And then yeah. there's people, like you said, that have way less talent, yet they're up there you know, making it happen for themselves. Yeah. yeah my dad <laughs> used to say to me, like, well, he's up there and doing it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Pretty much. It's exactly the same. He used to say that exactly. to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so say, cool. Oh, shut up, Dad. No. Oh, you don't get it, yeah. man. You're not a musician. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got it. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Because that's the thing. It's it's actually not about talent. It's not about skill. Mm. They're not the things. It's not some objective standard where there's some kind of fair rule that says, oh, you've achieved a certain standard of skill, therefore now you can go on the global stage and have a global impact and have a worldwide following. You know, it's not fair. Yeah. Um, Do you remember you did a 10-minute Tuesday about um, course correction? Um, Yeah. It was about, yeah, the, what is it, how many... What was the present? Ah, sorry. How often is? Uh, I'm not even going to try and explain. Anyway, course correction. Um, Let me yeah, help you. There was a percentage of. Um, I can't even phrase it properly. You're talking yeah, about yeah, like um, well, the metaphor I used was the rocket ship, which is only on track three percent of the time, apparently. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, the rest yeah. of the time, it's noticing where it is in relation to where it would want to be and making necessary micro-adjustments to get back on track. Because there's a whole bunch of things outside of its control. Um, so it's not on track very much of the time. But it's not off track It's not off track for a long time because it makes very quick adjustments all the time. Um, yeah. And, the, you know, cause, which is different from people because often when people notice themselves off track, they beat themselves up and judge themselves. And uh, then, you know, it's a week before they course correct or a month or even six months. And then it's a massive course correction. Um, 
Yes. Yeah. The reason so what I was the usefulness of that? Is, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel as though exactly what you said applies to my situation right now where I'm noticing where I need to correct my course, yet I haven't taken all the action I need to. <laughs> yeah, so um, for instance, like um, I've been uh, trying to keep up a, um, a sort of paleo-esque diet so I can, you know, practice guitar, sit down, for long periods of time without, you know, putting on weight from food that I wouldn't be burning off otherwise. But then I feel when, uh, if I'm having a slack day with my guitar playing and other things, the food goes down right along with it. I'm like, right, okay. Yeah, yeah sure. Course correct here. But then, yeah, whether I course correct or not is a different, <laughs> a different story. Well, of course. The course correction is useful, I think, after you've done the belief stuff because otherwise course correction just becomes a behavior management tool. Mm. So, you know, behavior is just the end of the assembly line. It's, it flows out of what we believe. So if you've got this fear of not being good enough, it doesn't matter really what discipline you take, it's not going to be a lasting change strategy. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so tr- three things, three things that I, I've got in my mind that I think could be useful in terms of serving you here. The first is a believable plan to go after the fear of not being good enough. Okay. Um, believable plan, yep. Because it, it can be, you, you can overcome that fear. Mm. It can be something that does not hold you back. There, it is possible to get to a place in life where you are free, where you are running the same lap as the leaders that you are not turning back all the time where you are whole energy is invested in showing up being present mm. you've got that sorted and and you know and it's not like you get to this state of perfection obviously there's always new challenges new levels to grow through but it's still it is possible to overcome that fear yeah um and i think that the the phrase that's flowing through my mind at the moment comes from uh, Greg Bellingham. I don't know if you ever met Greg, but he's been a guy I, who. Uh, sorry, you. I remember. You've met him, sorry, heard him. I, I haven't met him. I remember some of the stuff you wrote about um, in your book to do with Greg. Um, some of the moments you shared, especially with the foot story. Is that is that Greg? That, no, that wasn't Greg. No, that was no? Ian. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, oh, right. Greg was in my world a bit before Ian, and he, but he's still the guy who's had the most impact on my world out of, out of anybody. And um, All right. there's a phrase that he used that has always stuck with me. He says, what if that's the best of you behaving badly? Right. And yeah, I, I just love it because typically, yeah, typically we look at our behavior that's not what we want and we think it's bad. We judge it. We hate it. We, we're disappointed in ourselves. And so we want to fight against it. We want to subdue it. We want to conquer it. Which just says, what if you just take a step back with kindness and compassion, trying to understand yourself? You know, so the fear of not being good enough, what if that is the best of you behaving badly? Yeah. That fear and self-sabotage. Obviously, that's not a great behavior. Obviously, that's not a behavior mm-hmm. that's getting forward. But what if that is the best of you behaving badly? Yeah. Like like you say, the positive intention causing the outcome. 
Beautiful. So what's coming up for you as uh, just that phrase? What what could that possibly be about? Do you think? Uh, for me, that um, that means like the part of yourself that wants to um, preserve yourself, protect yourself, is creating right. that behaviour. Exactly. Yep. So it's driven out of love. It's driven out of wanting the best for you. So when, when I think about that for my own life, um, like there are times in my world as a coach where money dries up for a period and then mm-hmm. fear comes. It's like, oh, my goodness, there's fear of lack. What if you're not going to get yeah. more clients? What if this isn't going to work out? What if you're not going to get another gig? What if? And it's just this fear, this fear and then this anxiety and I stop and go, hang on. I value, I deeply value this fear because um, it is coming out of a place of, of beautiful love that you do not want me to hurt, you do not want me to suffer, you do not want me to go without, um, but I will never, ever make a decision based on fear. I decided that a long time ago. I, I listen to the fear, I understand the intention, and then I let it go. You know, thank you. What other way could I love myself right now? What could be a more resourceful mm. way? of letting the best of me actually move me forward rather than holding me back. Yeah. That actually um, makes a lot of sense because um, I remember in in the book you were saying replacing um, bad habits that fill needs with more, um, so like you say, resourceful ways of meeting sure. needs. But, I, yeah, that was a really good example because it seemed as though, like, if you were... It was more of a black and white thing in my head, but that really clarified it, yeah. No, I don't stop it, swap it is, is a key kind of idea. You just mm. try and stop the fear. The fear will just find other ways. It'll be like sitting on a balloon to try and squash it. You know, you're yeah. focusing on squashing on the left side and it pops up on the right side. You focus on squashing on the right side, it pops up in between your legs. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you, can't, you can't stop it. Um, so I understand the intention of finding more resourceful way to focus that energy. Um, so the second thing, I mentioned that there are three things around a believable plan for this fear of not being good enough. The, the second is the, the idea of surrender. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know what that word means to you or, or what it is, but just let me unpack how I found that useful in, in dealing with my own fear. Um, I've got these morning rituals at the moment. I've got this special place on top of my water tank and it just is the best view of my farm. And I go out there and I just walk walk around on there. And I, I love Anthony Robbins' idea of having affirmations but linked with physiology. So he says, like, you have some cool statements you're saying about yourself in terms of who you are and where you're going and what you believe and all that. But don't just say them. Say it until you feel it. Because if you don't feel it, if it doesn't have an associated feeling in your body, if it doesn't stir energy and passion and life in you, then you don't believe it. So, yeah. um, so I just did laps on the tank. Um, and I say these things about myself to myself, over myself, until I feel it, which is a really lovely experience. And um, I'm not allowed to, I don't let myself get off the tank until I've had an experience that's kind of aligned with feeling and, and words. Um, the the point of that is part of those rituals is that I surrender. I surrender to the purpose of solving the insecurity problem in the world. So wow. that's part of my aff- affirmation at the moment. 
Um, because I like I got big dreams like you. I've got big dreams of being on, on the global stage. I don't want to play small. I'd I'd love to take my place on on the global stage. I am. Um, yeah, I, that's what I think's inside. That's what I think's possible. That's where I think I belong. Um, you know, so this fear. What if I'm going? What if I'm not good enough to be that? What if I don't belong there? What if someone's better than me? What if you know all these fears? And so part of me really working through that is I surrender. I, I I let go. This is not about me. This is bigger than me. There's something deep inside me. This is a skill set that I've developed my whole life to, and I have. I have given my life to this call, to this mission, to this purpose, to this this way of being, to this problem. This is my life's work, and I'll give everything for this. And and I surrender to it, so I let go of it. So it's so it's just for me, it's kind of this sense that this is bigger than me, and I have no right. I have no right to make this about me, and I have no right to hold back from this, and I have no right to let anybody stop me, because that's unfair. That's that's not that's not honouring this thing that burns inside me, this thing that I carry, this passion that I feel. It's not honouring to that. So that would be a really inappropriate response. Um, and when I'm in that space and I and I feel those words in deep in my soul, there is no fear. Fear fear doesn't exist in that space at all. And operating out of that place, it gives me a lot of confidence and a lot of clarity about what I'm then going to go do and how I'm going to go operate in that space and what strategies and plans would then lead me further into that space. Does that make sense? Mm, that does make sense. I have a question on that. Do yeah. you find when you're pursuing activities, I'll say like when you're working on what you're surrendering to, so you're working towards your passion, do you find the work that um, is the most meaningful to that pursuit the easiest to tackle or sort of not easiest is in a practical sense, but uh, in a practical sense, sorry, but um, do you feel right in tackling those particular activities? Uh, yeah, well, that's a really good question. The way that I would answer it would, would depend on, I, I don't know if you heard my 10-minute Tuesday about story, state, strategy, as opposed to strategy, state, story. No, I didn't. didn't hear that one. Yeah. Um, it's a ripper. Yeah, that's that's my best one. All right, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll that one. Um, but most most people go strategy, state, story. So they get up in the morning and they go, "What do I want to do to further my plans?" So they go straight into doing. They got to do lists, and they're constantly chasing their tail. And they're always activity, and they're just doing the do based on whatever state they find themselves in. Um, mm. Often governed by a whole bunch of external things going on in their world. Um, and, and all limited by an overarching story, this meta narrative of who they are, what they believe, the, the kind of character they are, how their life works. Um, mm. You know, it's like the, it's like the Truman Show. I don't know if you ever remember that show. You might be a bit too uh, young. Have you seen Truman Show? show? Jim, Jim, Jim Carrey no, is a movie called The Truman Show. Uh, I haven't. The, 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 the plot of that is he's living this life in this perfect world. Unbeknownst to him, everyone in this perfect world is an actor and they're living in this dome and it's all, there's cameras everywhere and it's all scripted. So oh, right. he, think, he thinks it's all real and beautiful, but it's all, it's just all a set and it's all on this glass dome. So, you know, so he's doing the do based on whatever state he finds himself in, but even on his best day, he's still living in the dome running out of a script 
that's uh, very limited. <laughs> you know, so yeah, he's not really going to achieve much with his life. And it's um, the cool thing about the story is he actually gets to the edge of that dome and discovers the dome, um, which is a really cool kind of metaphor for exploring the narrative you're living out of and the limits of it and breaking out of that. Um, so uh, most people are living strategy, state story, but successful people are doing the complete opposite. They they don't jump into what I need to do. Uh, their first thing is, hang on, what's, what story am I living out of? Uh, who am I again and what am I doing here? What's this all about? How do I like my life to be? What's this compelling narrative that I'm creating for myself? How would I like my life to be? And they just spend their attention creating the life that they desire in their mind, mm-hmm. on a page, conceptualizing it, visualizing it, believing it, speaking it, bringing it into existence and aligning themselves with that story. Um, they don't yeah, see themselves yeah. as a victim of a story someone else has written for them. They see themselves as the storyteller. So they align themselves with their story, first point of call, no matter how they wake up, whatever's going on yesterday, they get up, hang on, who am I again? What's this all about? Where am I heading? What's the big picture? Oh, great. Got the story clear. Now let's take care of state. So then they make sure they do rituals and affirmations and life-giving things that prime their state, that get them in a beautiful state. So they've, they're peaking, they're in, they're in a great zone. They can access the magic inside them. And then they go do some stuff. Then, then they create a strategy. Then. And, and you can imagine whatever they do, it doesn't really, it's not whether, it's not, the question of is this easy or is this hard wouldn't be the question they're asking. Mm-hmm. It's just the doing would always flow. It would flow out of this being and this beautiful state um, and it would just feel right. It would feel aligned to that. And and when it's aligned that, it would be very productive and it would produce some cool things. So that's how I feel when I when I start the day right and I live out a story. I'm never thinking, is this easy or hard? That's never a question I'm asking. Just like, is this, is this action in line with who I am and what I'm actually doing with my life? Yeah, I find um, when I sit down to make a practice uh, routine for the day or I just set out some goals to do with my music or anything like that, the ones that usually feel like they're the most um, redundant, they're the hardest to stomach, they're the hardest to try and conjure up that um, energy to, to do, whether it's hard or not in a practical sense, it's... Yeah, it feels like it's the biggest thing to push up the hill because it's not, yeah, I guess it's not well, really furthering things forward. Yeah, for sure. And when it, if you're pushing against a limiting belief and a story that's working against you, all you've got is self-discipline. That's self-discipline yeah. is your only strategy to try and force your way forward in spite of everything that's against you. Whereas you live story strategy, story state strategy, it's about self-permission. So it's like, okay, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is where I'm heading. Do I give myself permission to be aligned with that? Do I give myself permission to act in accordance with that? Cool. All right, go, go nuts. And so it's always life-giving action that flows out of that. So whether it's hard or easy, it doesn't matter. It's, it's always life-giving. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, so I mentioned three things. One, is this the best of you behaving badly? So don't fight the fear, but understand it and um, yeah, refocus it. Refocus love. 
how, how else could you love yourself? Mm. Um, to the idea of surrender, surrendering something that's bigger than you. Because I imagine on your best days, I imagine when you are in the flow with your music, I imagine you would get a sense that this is bigger than you. Mm, definitely. There's times where it's a surreal feeling like you don't even feel like you're responsible for the creation of that particular wow. art. Like, wow. it's, it's beyond me, like, wherever that came from. <laughs> yeah. From this yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I imagine when you're in that space living out of that story, there's no fear of what anyone else thinks. Mm. You're right, there's no fear when it... Yeah, it's total okay. creation. Beautiful. Um, of course, then a third thing is just when I think about limiting beliefs and the process of overcoming them, I I always go back to the four stages of transformation I don't know whether you've ever heard me bang on about those four before. Oh, remind me. Probably, probably has. Um, so, so stage one is acceptance. If you're going to see change and you're, you're actually going to overcome this fear, the first part is, is acceptance. And specifically what you are accepting is that all we have is story. So... Um, many people will never get to stage one because they don't feel like it's a story. They're like, this is not a story. This is actually my life. This is my lot. This is what happens to me. This is who I am. You know, it's real. It's concrete. It's immovable. Uh, whereas if you're going to see change, you actually have, hmm, hang on, all we have is story. We're sense-making creatures. We go into the world and we tell stories. We're, our subconscious is constantly asking and answering two questions. Why did this happen and what, did the, what does it mean about me? And typically we're telling negative stories in answer to those questions, stories of lack, stories of limitation, stories of fear, stories that keep us small and safe. Um, but it's all story. So, you know, crucial to kind of this this sense of, hang on a minute, it's all this work of fiction, I've created this. Um, so that um, immediately when you accept that, it steps you out of any victim mentality to like... Uh, I am. I feel bad about myself because my third grade teacher, when I played guitar the first time, said I was no good. Like, well, yeah, she probably said that to everybody, and three people believed her, and five people didn't. Um, mm-hmm. So, and who knows what was going on for her? Maybe her dad told her she couldn't have a pony when she was five, and she never got over that. And, you know, so yeah, it's actually not her fault. She doesn't have the power to ruin your life. Uh, mm. you, you know, you're the one who ruined your life because you decided that was right. Yeah. Um, so stage two is awareness. So if it's all story, and you're the storyteller, okay. Well, what is your story? And and where are, where are the origins of, of limitation? When did when did you decide that you weren't as good as someone else? When did you decide you needed to be worried about someone else's opinion? When did, when did you decide that there was lack with you? Because that had an origin. It didn't, wasn't where you started. Um, so, yeah, for sure. And you can get awareness. You can see that. You can understand that. That that can be known. That is that is data that is stored inside you somewhere and can be seen. Um, the third stage is accountability. And you are just accountable to yourself just to own the fact that you are not a victim. You are the storyteller. And if you don't like the story, you are the only one with the power to change it. So you're holding yourself accountable to the idea that you're the one with the pen and the page. You have a hundred percent choice and a hundred percent responsibility. It's all you. 
So every time you hold yourself accountable to that and do the work around designing the story that gets you more of what you want, well, then you move forward. Every time you give up that responsibility and feel like someone else has got the pen and you can't do anything, well, then you get limited. Um, and then the fourth stage is adaptation, which just means that's the fruit of doing the first three stages well. You cannot, your life cannot not adapt to a new story if you write it because it already is adapted to the first story that you were, you wrote and the story you have already been living out of. Mm. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I do remember um, hearing those um, particular points, but yeah, it's like any information. Once you first get it, it makes sense on one level. And then once you've, you know, sat with it, it starts to unravel more meaning and I feel as though the accountability part of things, um, mm. it's really starting to hit home as far as um, the course correction, being accountable for you know, every day. Am I being the person I want to be? Um, yeah, am I actually yeah. doing my practice for me or to, say, impress my friends at jazz school? Yeah, great. things. Yeah, and for me, the accountability piece, is a beautiful, beautiful piece and it aligns with the self-permission rather than self-discipline. Whenever I try to do accountability through self-discipline, I am forcing myself to do what I don't want to do. That is a very limited strategy to get ahead. It works for such a short amount of time and then I get tired and it's all too hard and I give up. But if my accountability is around self-permission, I give myself permission to be the powerful one in my world. I give myself the ability to change what I don't like and to create what I do like. Mm-hmm. And That's awesome. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I'm putting out content all the time, as are you. I don't know whether you heard my video where I was talking about the, the Find Yourself group the other day and how I was changing it up and focusing on the Insecurity Project. Did you watch that video? Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Um, but that was a very cool thing around self-permission because my business coach didn't like my plan didn't believe in it, didn't mm-hmm. see it, didn't think I should do it. And yeah, wow. checking in with myself, it was like, hey, Jamin. Because I was all discouraged and I was like, oh, now I can't and he doesn't like it and maybe I'm not doing the right thing, you know. And I check in myself and I go, hey, Jamin, stop being a little bitch. <laughs> if you want to do it, go do it. You're not your mum. Like, why yeah. would you make him the powerful one in your world? Why would you give him permission to say whether you can or whether you can't? Mm. He's he's just afraid for you. He doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't even know what you're capable of. So that would be a silly thing to give him the power to make the decisions for your life. Just go do what you want to do. Oh yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I can relate with that. Hundred hmm. percent. So that all aligns, mate. All aligns to the best of me behaving badly, surrendering to something bigger than me. Understanding the process of transformation, giving myself permission to move forward. Mm. Yeah, wow. Um, so let me let me just check in with you. Uh, what's what's coming up for you? Like what what has been the most meaningful or useful part of our conversation so far? Speaking to this initial issue of self sabotage for you. Um. It's really alerted me to um, 
Yeah, the the idea that I am kind of just resisting what I really want based on what I think I should want. So, you know, um, being aware of it, I'm aware of, you know, what I'm doing. Otherwise, I wouldn't, you know, try and seek ways of solving this issue. But then being yeah. accountable to myself, that's something that I've been neglecting. And... um just really believing in myself and just giving yeah. that permission over to myself. So I think that's what's resonating with me the most so mm. far. Cool. Yeah. Mm. And um, funny story, last night I was out at a gig, saw um, this incredible piano player named John McCall. Yeah. And his younger brother is a legend in the jazz scene because he went to New York and he did so many things that a lot of the Australian guys wish they did. And so um, I had met John a few weekends earlier at another gig, totally unrelated, but he invited me to come see this gig. So I'm like, oh, great. Oh, I feel all important and special. Uh, go to this gig. Yeah. It was awesome. And then after the gig, I'm like, okay, I'm going to put on my best confidence suit and I'm going to go out there and mingle, be the guy, be the cat, as they'd say. Yeah. Um, it went great because I felt pretty comfortable in my own skin and all of that. And all went well. And they're saying, you know, oh, we're thinking of having drinks at um, this other place. Yeah, um, why don't you come along? I was like, oh, crap, there's an assignment coming up. Well, I didn't care about the assignment, right? But yeah. I think this was my brain really searching for ways to keep myself in the comfort zone. Yeah, like, sure. I reckon I would have had a great time hanging with those sorts of people, but I was sort of sabotaging myself in the moment because I didn't think I had the goods to sustain myself over that sort of social yeah. um, interaction past the the small talk past the great yeah. gig and yeah. So I felt good about myself and really positive that I did what I did. But then I realized like, like you with um, sort of the podcast thing, you went through with that. Whereas I kind of bitched it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, <laughs> Pretty I've bitched in the past, but I, I have come to a place where I, I, one of my core decisions is I will not make a decision based on fear. I will. I'm happy to wrestle with it. I'm happy to feel fear. I'm happy to battle with anxiety for a day, half a day, or a few hours. And then I go, okay, great. Um, I'm aware of that. It's not. I, I'm listening. I'm understanding. Um, what do I really want here? And how could I use this to get more of what I want? And then I, I make a decision that serves me. It hasn't always been my thing, but... I think this is why I know that it is possible to live from a big story and a story that allows you to move forward rather than a story that holds you back. It is possible to get out of the Truman Show and break through that dome and go, hang on, hang on, this story. Um, you know, cause if, you, if you do not deal with a limiting story, then even on your best day, you're still only operating at 10% of what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. The people who yeah. really succeed have created a compelling and beautiful story that is massive it is a story that has no limitations it's a story that allows them to go and be awesome in the world it really does allow them and then when they access a beautiful state within that 
then they have access to magic and then they do stuff that is just breathtaking. Mm. And I suppose it also comes down to being trained to analyze that when you're, you know, in the heat of a moment, like having enough well, sort of practice yeah. at it. Sure. Eckhart Tolle says uh, awareness is the opposite of ego. Just the simplicity of being aware, being aware of your own thought life. You are not your thoughts. You are not your emotion. Just to notice it, step outside of it. Oh, that's an interesting experience right now. It's an interesting fear. That's an interesting conversation. So seeing yourself at the, the gig, hearing your brain come up with that strategy, you just go, wow, that's really interesting. Um, that's a choice. What do I want to do with that? And, mm. and yeah, sure, it's practice. Sure, it takes time to develop that, but it's not... It's not a massive task because it's not a complicated one. It's just a willingness to observe and step outside of your own space. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, okay, would would that be an okay place to leave the conversation for tonight? Yeah, I think so. I think I've gotten a fair amount of value out of that. Just, yeah, giving myself permission to go ahead with what I really want and just, you know, being true to that. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, love to hear, know how you go with those four things because that's that's the work. I think the um, those four stages when I think about the work of overcoming insecurity and creating a story for my life that enables me to flourish. That's the thing I keep coming back to. So, um, yeah, cool. so there's obviously work to I'm be done. Taking notes, yeah. I've um, written them all down, so I'll be referencing that over the next few weeks for sure. Well, I mean, I should be referencing it more than that, but for now. <laughs> oh, should or, yeah, should or shouldn't is not really relevant. It's, yeah, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, cool, for oh, Well, cool. thanks, Jamin. It's been a real treat. Yeah, lovely to talk, and I'd love to know how you go. So we'll leave the conversation there. Thanks for being willing to share that with the world. And uh, well, thanks, love to know what happens next. Cheers. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. If you're interested in finding out more about dealing with your own insecurity, check out the 30-day online Overcoming Insecurity Bootcamp. It combines high-quality frameworks with one-on-one coaching to help you eradicate the fear of not being good enough and give yourself permission to really flourish in life. For more information, check out jamonfraser.com.